Amen, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I I feel such a witness with what Sister Sister Schoonover just shared with us. Um, I think it's no coincidence. I I actually had a actually had a dream last night myself, and I believe it was. It was one of those similar dreams, Sister Schoonover, where it was like kind of a negative thing that happened, and you're like, okay, is this, is this from the Lord, or is this the enemy trying to intimidate me? Um, and as, as the story Sister Schoonover just told, you know, it can come, can come as something that tries at first to plant a little bit of fear, uh, but then through, through the course of events, you know, sh- she realized it was the Lord showing some things that were going to take place, and and I think in a similar way that the dream, it was really simple, but the dream that I had last night, um, I, it was an unfamiliar place to me. I didn't recognize the street. We were just on the, on the street and driving in a couple cars and got out. And somebody came and, and took one of my, my siblings, kidnapped him. <laughs> Speaking of kidnapping. And I remember even in the dream, just getting very, you know, like you get hot with anger. I got very hot and, man, was ready to track somebody down. <laughs> and I think I, think I hap- happened to walk in the house and there was a couple, I don't remember any of the faces. But there was a couple people outside and lo and behold, one of my siblings got taken. And I was like, what, what were you doing? <laughs> How did you let that happen? And they were like, well, they went that direction. So I'm like, all right, well, you go that direction in your car. I'll go this direction in my car. And uh, that was essentially the, the whole dream. But oftentimes when the Lord speaks to me in dreams, I'll, I'll meditate on it, pray about it, and he'll begin to then speak to me sort of some more, more meaning behind it. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about that dream and and telling me, you know, that, that emotion, that, that anger that you felt and that drive to track down that individual who, who took your sibling. I felt like he spoke to me and said, how do you think I feel as a father when somebody, one of my children is taken, one of my children is, is brought into a place of bondage and brought away somewhere that, that is outside of, of my scope how do you think i feel as the father and my desire to track them down my emotion and because the lord feels emotions the lord feels anger sometimes the lord feels he feels a, a great passion and love for us and when we get in a place of of bondage or captivity I believe it grieves the Lord, and he has that desire, just like the good shepherd who would be willing to leave the 99 and go and to find the one that maybe the wolves or, or even just the sheep of its own free will decided to just kind of wander a little further than it, than it should have outside of the protection of the shepherd. And I believe that this morning the Lord would help us with some areas of captivity, some areas of bondage that, that maybe we willingly go to at times. Amen. If you have your, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me this, this morning to the book of Romans chapter 8. I'm so thankful to be here. I want to give honor, of course, and maybe not sure what they're up to. Maybe they're even watching right now from Italy, but give honor to, to the flowers, Elder and Sister Lorraine and, and Bishop as well. We love and appreciate them, and, and I'm thankful to be under their authority today. Amen. I am a man under authority this morning. Romans chapter 8, and starting with, well, first reading uh, verse number 15. Amen. Good to see you, Brother Kyle. Bless you. 
Romans 8, verse 15 says this, For you have not received the spirit of bondage. And everyone say bondage with me. We've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Man, verse 17, and if children, this is why it's important to be a child of God, because if we're a child of God, if we're one of his children, then we're heirs, heirs of everything that the Father has. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, but there's an if here, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorified, that we, that we also, that we be also glorified together. Man, as Sister Flowers talked about, there's a lot of things happening in the world today, and, and I don't think we've even seen the, seen the half of it, of the persecution, of things that the church will, will face in the end times. And there's a suffering that we don't have to be afraid of as children of God. Amen. If we're children and joint heirs, we have then the protection of, of the Father. And there is no fear. There is no bondage as children of God. If, if you'll look with me, I, I, I want to read a couple verses just through Romans here, chapter 8, kind of some more context. This morning, verse, starting with verse 1. And this, this chapter is really a, it's a chapter about going from a place of bondage, going from a place of slavery to a place of, of freedom in the Spirit, a place of, of walking and being led by the Spirit of God. And if you go back and read Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the difference of a fleshly and a carnal life and a life that's bound by sin, bound by the law, versus a life of the Spirit. And Romans chapter 8 is him laying out the possibilities of the life in the Spirit that's available to each of us. So Romans 8 and verse 1, and I'm going to read kind of quickly here a few verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. It's the life of the Spirit that makes us free. Amen. For... Let me go back and read that. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Until we're filled with the spirit of God, we're bound by a law that ends in death. We're bound by a law that says that the wages of our sin are death and, and you have to pay a price because you've sinned. But when we are filled with the spirit of God, we're pulled out from that. We're freed from that bondage. And verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded or to be earthly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of you want peace today? Man, there's peace. There's peace in the Spirit of God. 
verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. For it's not subject to the law of God. It's not subject to the, to the leading of the Spirit of God. It's, it's stuck in the law. Neither indeed can it be. So then, in verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I don't know about you, but I want to please God. <laughs> and so that verse tells me that because I want to please God, I don't want to live in the flesh. Verse 9, just two more verses here. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And here's another if statement. You got you to gotta pay close attention to these if statements. <laughs> and a lot of people... A lot of uh, Christianity, they, take, they like to take just little parts of the scripture and leave out the if parts. But the if parts are really important. <laughs> so you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen. I think probably everybody here knows by now the importance of being filled with the spirit of God. We've been talking about it a little bit for, for a few weeks now. And it's, it is the Spirit of God that is, the Bible says, it's the quickening Spirit. That when, the, when that day comes, when the trumpet sounds, and we will meet the Lord in the air. It's the Spirit of God in us that quickens us, whether we're dead or whether we're still living. It's that Spirit that quickens us to meet Him in the air. And that's what we call the rapture, amen, that is, that is coming soon. We have to be ready for that. We have to be sure of and know that our salvation is is sure. Brother Brother uh, Vicente on Tuesday night talked about that, knowing with a certainty our salvation. And Acts chapter one, I think I referenced it a few weeks ago, talks about when Jesus was risen from the dead, which is the death, the burial, the resurrection. Our our plan of salvation spiritually. The Bible in, in Acts chapter 1 says that he revealed himself, he showed himself alive to people by many infallible proofs. What that tells me is that there was plenty of evidence to prove that yes, he really was alive. Regardless of what the Romans and the Jews tried to do to cover it up and regardless of the stories that they tried to tell saying no, you know, his disciples just came and stole his body. No, he, he proved it to enough people. He really did rise again because of the quickening power of the Spirit of God. And it's that same Spirit that dwells in us that quickens our mortal bodies, giving us life in the Spirit. And it's also, I believe, the same principle that there will be many infallible proofs that we've been quickened by the Spirit. There's not going to be a, a question in your mind that, man, maybe I've received the Holy Ghost. I think I've received the Holy Ghost. I know that one time at that one church, I accepted the Lord as my Savior, and I prayed a sinner's prayer, and they told me I was good. If I was you, I would not be <laughs> very confident in that. When you receive the Holy Ghost, when you receive the gift of the Spirit of God, there will be evidence. Man, there will be proof to yourself. Yes, I've received the Spirit of God, and I don't have to question that it's in me. And that's the, the initial sign we've talked about. The initial sign of the Holy Ghost is, is the utterance that it gives, which is speaking in other tongues. This happens in Acts chapter 2. When they were praying together, the Spirit of God came in like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The Spirit of 
the Holy One gave that utterance, that ability to speak in another tongue that they'd never learned before, another language that they'd never learned before. And people from all around, because of the, the feast that was going on, there was people from much different tribes, different languages, different tongues, as Scripture says, that were in that city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says that they all, I think there was over 12 different languages that, that were in the area, 17, Brother Vance said, take his word for it, 17 different languages represented, and they all began to hear words in their own language. And as those 120 began to speak in the Holy Ghost, it's a miracle. Amen. There was, there was evidence. There was proof. And their initial thought was, and these people are drunk. <laughs> They're talking a bunch of gibberish. The ones, who, the ones who didn't know the languages, they were like, this is weird. This sounds pretty odd. And I'm sure it did. You've, you've all been, if you've been here any, any length of time, you've probably heard the same thing here. I hope you have. Amen. But those who needed to hear the evidence, they heard it and they knew. Amen. And I think that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, he has a plan of, of proving that there's life. Proving there's, there's, there's ways to check and to verify if you have life. And that's the initial way. Another way, which we won't talk too much about, um, but another proof that should begin to show up as someone with life in the Spirit is fruit of the Spirit. And we, we don't really talk about that a ton, but it's a sign of life, having fruit. I'm sure you've all heard the, the story. Jesus was with his disciples and he's walking through a town and he comes upon a, a fig tree. And this fig tree was full of leaves. And so Jesus, from a distance, sees it and he was hungry in his flesh. He was, he was hungry and knew that this was a fruit tree. And so there should be some figs on it because there's leaves. There's, there's the fluff and stuff that says that fruit should be with it, but he got closer, and lo and behold, it was just the fluff. <laughs> it was just a, a facade. It was just a tree that was going through the motions of its day-to-day -day life, but had no fruit, had no figs to sustain him. And that's the, that really is the, the purpose of of our fruit, man, of our love, of our joy, of our peace, of our faith, of all these things, our long-suffering is to be able to be out with the world who is struggling, to be able to be out with the world who's still in bondage and see somebody who's, who's having a hard day, who's in bondage, and be able to come up to them and with our long-suffering, with our faith, be able to say, hey, I have something I think that'll help you out. I've got a little bit of fruit that you can maybe eat on. I've got a, a flow of, of a river of living water that is the spirit that flows through me that I think can refresh you as well. If you want to drink from that kind of, of well that's springing. Amen. And that's a sign of, of life. It's a sign of, of life in the spirit. But what the enemy will try to do is and this happens whether you've received the Holy Ghost, whether you've been regenerated in your spirit or not, or if also if you have received the Holy Ghost, this can still happen. If, if Brother Timothy, if you can go back to verse 15 there, the scripture says that we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Man, when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we, we receive the name of Jesus Christ upon our life. And it's that name that says, you're now a son of God. I've applied it to your life. You're a child of the King. You now have a right to my inheritance because you have the name upon your life. 
But I, I think that oftentimes there is a, a cycle that tries to take place that the enemy tries to cause to happen with us. And that is the, a lot, it, it, it appears in a lot of different ways. One of the main ways is the temptation of our flesh. <laughs> you go back and read Romans chapter 7, kind of make that your, your homework assignment. Uh, you'll see what the life in the flesh looks like. You'll see the fruit of living in the flesh. You'll see the, you'll see the opposite of, of what we want. But if we're not careful, even when we've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, we can, even as Sister Schoonover was, was talking about this morning, we can fall into the trap of the enemy of, of fear, of the bondage of fear in our minds, in our spirits. And the fear, one of the ways that that fear will try to manifest itself is, I, I think, one of the biggest ways is by bringing doubt, by bringing question, by causing us to, to I spoke about, you know, having the evidence that we've received the Holy Ghost. But sometimes, you know, in the moment you get the Holy Ghost, you have that proof, you know without a doubt, that's good. But then Monday comes, and then so does the enemy in your ear. And even though that proof was there, even though that evidence was there, the enemy and his voice can plant doubt and cause you to question. And there's an example of this even with Jesus himself. I've, I've talked about it before, but in the wilderness when Jesus, it says, was full of the Holy Ghost. I think it's Luke chapter 4, and it's in the other Gospels as well. But full of the Spirit, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. He, he also fasted. And then the Bible said, and he was in hungered. Just like when he came across that fig tree, he was hungry. His flesh was, was ready to eat, as you all would be too if you'd fasted for 40 days. <laughs> and the enemy came into his, his ear. And like I said, I think I've talked about this before. I don't believe that Satan popped up right in front of him with his pitchfork and his, his horns. <laughs> Which also, I don't know where we got that picture. <laughs> um, but I believe that in the same way that we're tempted in our minds, Satan appeared to Jesus with the voice in his head. And he asked him this question. He said, if you be the son of God, then command these stones to be made bread. You're hungry. You have a desire in your flesh right now to eat. And so if you are who you say you are, if you are who you're, these people are starting to believe you are, then do this thing. And that really is the opposite of living life in the Spirit, is a, a life that thinks that we have to prove who we are to God. If you, again, read, read Romans chapter 7. It's, it talks about a life lived under the law. Under the rules of the Old Testament, that were 613 different laws and rules that they had to abide by. And then in the New Testament, you have the Pharisees who, because the 613 wasn't enough, they created their own book to try to help them keep the laws better. <laughs> so these new rules, these new laws, to help them keep the law. It was just a ton of, ton of rules, a ton of laws. Amen. And some people will say, well, now the Lord did away with the law. But we read it here in, in Romans that he didn't do away with the law, but he came and he fulfilled the law. And he fulfilled the law. And so when we receive the Spirit of God, we're no longer under the law. We're no longer slaves to the law that says you have to do this, you have to do this. If, if, you, if you mess up and do this, then you're done. But we live under the grace of God that says we can come unto his throne and find grace and mercy in our time of need. I'm thankful for that. There's, when, we, when you talk about the Holy Ghost in, in John chapter 14, Jesus is beginning to tell his disciples that I have to go away. 
this, this flesh, this body, this man that you've gotten to know over the last few years, it's about time for me to be crucified and then also taken up into heaven. And they were struggling with this. They were wondering, how is this going to work? How are we going to still have a relationship? How are we still going to have fellowship with you if you're gone? And that's when he then begins to reveal to them the Holy Ghost, that he wasn't going to leave them comfortless, the scripture says, which if you look at that word, and, and I actually learned this weekend too, it's, it's the same in, in Spanish uh, as it is almost in Greek. It's almost the exact same. And that word comfortless there in, in John chapter 14, verse 18, it literally translates as orphanos. Orphanos. He's not going to leave you orphaned. He's not going to leave you fatherless. Just because he goes away, just because his flesh, the man, is taken away, we're not fatherless. We're not orphaned just because he's gone. But that's then where the Spirit of God comes in and is introduced. And when we're filled with the Spirit, we have the Spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. I'm thankful for that. And there is, again, another familiar passage, if you, would, if you want to turn there with me. Just have a few more, few more verses this morning. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 18. I, I feel like I feel like this is this is important today because, like I said, whether we've received the Holy Ghost or not, the enemy can try to bring in this element of fear, and and the fear that would cause us to say, you know, okay, I need to, I need to do X Y Z exactly perfectly just like this, or else he's going to disown me, or else he doesn't love me. You know, we have, each of us have earthly parents, and some of us, our earthly parents are a little better than others. Some of us, our earthly parents were never actually present. They were there, they, they had the, the birth, but maybe that was all the involvement they had in, in your life. And the enemy will try to use that element of whether you were an orphan or whether you were raised by an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, the enemy will try to use that in your mind, that fear of, of being approved, the fear of having the approval of, of a parent or a guardian. And that's exactly what he tried to do with Jesus. If, if you're the son of God, prove it by what you do. Prove it by your performance. Prove it by praying for three hours a day, prove it by fasting for 40 days, amen, prove it because you've read enough of the scripture, prove it because you know and have memorized enough of the scripture, that's the voice of the enemy that tries to say that, but the voice of God says, no, you're a son, you're adopted, you have my name, you have my authority now, and I'm a forgiving father, I'm a loving father, so the fear that we would have of being punished, of being tormented, is not of God. And that's, I want to read that here in verse, First uh, John 4, verse 18. And this is, a, I think it's from that same song, No Bondage. There is no fear. <laughs> there is no fear. And there is no fear in Love, the love of a father, of a good father. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. That's what I'm talking about. The, the torment of fear is, is the fear of punishment, the fear that I make one wrong step. I'm, I'm, I'm over here walking on eggshells because if I make one wrong move, then... That parent, that aunt, that uncle, that grandma, that grandpa, they're going to lash out at me. They might be physical with me. 
and we, we bring these same concepts, these same, these same ideas and, and past experiences from our life into our relationship with God. And it's that fear of bondage. It's that bondage again to fear, man, that he wants to free us from. That he wants us to live in the spirit apart from. Because in his love, there is no fear. Verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. We don't have to love him a certain amount to receive his love. We don't have to love him for a certain length of time to earn his love. But we have the choice of loving him because he's already loved us. Man, in perfect love, I believe that perfect love is knowing the unconditional love of the Father. Knowing that regardless of how I fail, regardless of how I may mess up, his love is still there for me. Man. I just want to read two more, two more verses here, if you'll... Go with me, 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's kind of along the same lines here, Paul talking to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Spirit of fear that we, again, are pulled to sometimes. We mess up, make a mistake, or we, we, don't hold, we don't live up to even our own standards. You know, I've heard it said, and I think it's probably true, that God all the time doesn't necessarily even have the same level of standards that we do for ourselves. Yes, we should hold ourselves to a high standard, but we should also forgive ourselves. <laughs> we should also have mercy on ourselves and not beat ourselves up when we fall, when we mess up. But we should know we have an advocate with the Father who, who's there with his hand outstretched. He's there waiting for us to return when we mess up. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and the spirit of love. And of a sound mind. And I believe those three things, they're not separate, but they work together. They work in one. It's one spirit. And those, those three elements of the spirit are what combat the spirit of fear. Knowing that we're loved. Knowing that we have power in the name of Jesus. Knowing that we can have a sound mind because our minds are stayed on him. And because we don't mind the things of the flesh, but we mind the things of the Spirit. We can have a confidence that we don't live in fear, that there is no bondage. Amen. Last verse I want to read is John chapter 3, verse 16. I think you all probably could quote it. John 3 and 16. Why don't, we, why don't we stand today as well? Sister Heather, if you'd like to help me. Amen. John three sixteen says this, and I know this is a familiar verse, but it's still so true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, and there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved might be saved and through the love of Jesus Christ 
through the power of his, his spirit, we have the ability to be saved from the fear, from the bondage, from the torment of fear who cause us to think that we're always going to be punished. Man, God wants us to live a life that's led by the Spirit of God. Man, I'll read just again one more verse we've already read, but in, in Romans chapter 8, it says that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. But don't forget the verse that precedes that. Without the Spirit, we are none of His. Without His Spirit, we don't have His name. Without His Spirit, we remain in bondage. We remain bound by fear. Amen. But with the Spirit of God, we can be set free. With the Spirit of God, we can continue to be free and not continue to go back again unto fear, unto bondage. Amen. Why don't we just lift our hands this morning? I'm done. If you feel the Lord just speaking to you and you want to walk in that, that liberty, the, the life of the Spirit of God, then this altar is open as well to you if you would like to find a place of prayer talk to the Lord. I believe that the Spirit of God is here and He can fill you with His Spirit today if you've never received the Holy Ghost before. Amen. Come on, can we talk to the Lord for a few moments here? God, we thank You, Jesus. We thank You for Your Spirit, Lord. We thank You for the love of God, Jesus, that frees us. There's no bondage in You, God. There's no bondage in Your Spirit. Many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Jesus, and we, we, we want to be sons of God today. We want to be sons of God today that are partakers of your inheritance, that are partakers of the divine inheritance of heaven. Jesus, lead and guide us, direct us, I pray. Let us feel the peace of God this morning. I pray every voice of condemnation would be cast out today. Jesus, that the perfect love of God would be loosed in this house. The perfect love of God would be loosed in this house. The love of the Father that would pursue us, that chases us down, that receives us out of bondage, that breaks down the walls of bondage to pull us out. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, let's just continue to talk to the Lord this morning.
Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. Oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. love him in here? Does anybody love the Almighty God? Come on. He saw you in your worst. He saw you when you were broken. He saw you in the darkness and there was no light. But he reached down with all power and glory and pulled you into his marvelous, marvelous light. Amen. Thank you so much for that rich ministry today. Elder Hart, we appreciate you. You know, as you were teaching, the Lord kept bringing to me, there's a passage in Scripture that um, He just kept bringing to me. And it deals with the prophet of Zephaniah. Zephaniah wrote his book in the midst of when Judah in Jerusalem were on the verge of being overtaken. This was a man of God who saw all the corruptness, all the idol worship. And in the midst of that, he knew that the trajectory of his people was going to a bad place. And scripture says that when he's writing this, He was writing it as a prayer to be sung. And so while he's writing this prayer, he's singing. Then he gets to one of my favorite parts. It's chapter 3, verses 17. And I'm just going to read it real quick before we go. I feel God doing it something. I I just, he's in here, people. And I I don't want to just let it pass by because we're hungry and we got to go. I feel like he wants to reveal something to us today. Chapter 3, verse 17 of Zephaniah. And it reads like this. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He's talking to the children of Israel now. Because there's going to be a faithful remnant left after he takes people he will save he will rejoice over thee with joy he's talking about the Lord God Almighty here he will with joy sorry he will rest in his love he will joy over thee with singing I don't know about you, but a father that loves his children has no problem rejoicing over them, loving them, lifting them up, speaking life into their life, into their hearts, and into their minds. And what touches me about this passage of Scripture is Zephaniah knew that Before they got to this, there was some hardship. But if we could just pray before we leave right now. I want you to sing with everything you got in you, Jesus, I love you. Because I guarantee you, he's singing it back to you. He's saying, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. I know where you've been. I know what you've dealt with, but I love you. I love you. Can we just lift him up for a little bit more? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I look to you. Jesus, you're my father. Jesus, you're my savior. Jesus, you're my everything, God. When I've been broken, when I've been beaten, when I've been lost and hurt by the trials and tribulations of life, 
You're my Father. You were there. You saw me. You lifted me up. You placed my feet on solid ground and gave me purpose, gave me life. My Father is the King of kings. My Father is the Lord of lords. My Father is God. His name is Jesus. I'm not an orphan. I'm not an orphan. I'm not an orphan. I have a father. I have a father. I have a father. I'm not alone. I have a father. I'm not alone. your hands. It's okay. You can lift him up. It's okay. You don't have to worry about the person. He's that good. He's just that good. He deserves all my worship. He deserves all my praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I love what I feel. Isn't that what eternity feels like? That joy? He touches your spirit. You want to jump. You want to run. You want to clap. You guys got me messed up up here on a Sunday morning. I tell you what. Oh, I love you guys. We love you. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us today and spending time out of your busy Sundays to be with us. We love you tremendously. Please, please do not forget next Sunday. There will be no service here at 11, so please do not show up here. There will be nobody here. All right, 11 o'clock, Yakima Convention Center for United Service, okay? So please, you might want to be there a little bit early to get a good seat, okay? So please, make sure you attend. And also, bring somebody. Bring a family member, bring a friend, bring a co-worker. Bring somebody that God put on your heart and mind. You've been dealing with, you've been wanting to teach Bible study, you've been wanting to pray for them, and I get it, it's... It's a little bit awkward and you want it to be a little bit spiritual and you want to wait for the right timing. I understand. The wait is over. That excuse is out the door now. May 7th. We'll see you. Okay. Also Tuesday night Bible study here as well at 7 o'clock. Please be here. Once again, we love you. We appreciate you and we'll see you next week. God bless.